Welcome to the Speak Like a Leader podcast with John Bates. Welcome to the show. I've got somebody today that I'm so excited to introduce you to that I can just barely stand it. And before we get to that, I just want to say to you that I'm very excited about making the trainings that I've been doing in the corporate world much more available via an online cohort-based course. So what it looks like is 10 weeks with eight people in that course meeting every week to get you to your TED-like talk. It's called Speak like, the Speak Like a Leader Experience, and you can find it at ed for education, ed.executivespeakingsuccess.com. We'd love to have you. Uh, we run these things uh, multiple times a year. And if you go to ed.executivespeakingsuccess.com, you can join us for the next one. Now, to get to our guest, uh, my guest today is a retired special forces and submarine commander from the Indian Navy. He is one of the world's leading alpinists and extreme high-altitude climbers. He's made multiple Everest summits. He's the only man to have led successful expeditions to Mount Everest, the South Pole, and the North Pole. He's been to 194 countries so far and has climbed the highest peak in 174 of them. Most likely, he's the man who's climbed the highest point in the most countries ever. And he uh, has also walked the entire length of Africa from Tunisia to South Africa, and he has cir circumnavigated the globe in a sailboat, and he trekked the entire Silk Route from Mongolia to Istanbul. Uh, he is a fellow of the Royal Geographic Society, and he's also a TED fellow, and that's how we met. And his name is Satya Brata Dam. And you can find him online at satyabratadam.com. It's S-A-T-Y-A-B-R-A-T-A-D-A-M.com. And right now, Satya is in a remote village in the Himalayas sipping masala chai. And, you know, he is one of the greatest people I know in the world. We, we uh, met, we became friends, we've gone on some uh, very cold, but nothing like the Everest summits. We've climbed around here in, in Salt Lake City together in the winter, in the snow. And uh, my family loves him. He's like a brother from another mother to me. And I am super excited to have you join us, Satya Branta. Thank you. How are you doing? Hi, John. It's great, great to be on your show and uh, to, to share my views and ideas with your audience. Uh, so I'm just looking forward to it. And as usual, I'm super, super excited. Good, good. Well, you know, um, you've you've got an interesting background, and you've done a bunch of interesting stuff. And I want to start by by just going back to your special forces and being a submarine commander in the Indian Navy, because it seems to me like there must have been some great leadership lessons and some great communication lessons that you got out of that period in your life. What comes to mind when I say that? Yeah, John, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, you do have a forces background as well. So as we say that, you know, mm. uh, 
perhaps there is there is no greater challenge to to leadership than to lead men in war where the leader pretty much leads them to their certain death you know and of course yeah. we don't want them to die but i think we got to prepare our men uh, mentally for that and yeah. it's a very similar to also all my very extreme climbs even on everest uh, i always tell my group either my clients or my team members that are you willing to die for this yeah. so i think the 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 leadership role that i have done uh, either as a special forces officer or as a submarine commander or up in the mountains uh, always leading men and women uh, in the face of uh, very very adverse conditions be it weather conditions be it on enemy line of fire so yeah. i think the challenges that one gets as a corporate leader or, or as a let's say a leader in, in in the regular walks of life is very different to what we face in the in the armed forces especially when you are in the special forces and you are in the submarine arm uh, where pretty much the commanding officer is the, is is like god actually because he doesn't really have anybody else to turn to yeah uh, for his decision making and and as a human being as a leader either a everest leader or a, you know or a leading a special ops black ops mission for my team i i pretty much uh, you know <laughs> yeah the leadership challenges are very very different from from a civilian life yeah and uh, and and the kind of leadership that that uh, challenges that we face in in those kind of situations are very very unique yeah. and because the outcome could could actually mean life and death so so there are also moments of great introspection maybe later and also of dilemma that what if i am wrong you know then yeah. my boys will die and i yeah. i will die as well yeah. so so in a corporate leadership if you if you are the ceo of let's say big mnc and you make a wrong decision well your stock market will your stock values will go down you will lose couple of millions of dollars perhaps but nobody is going to die yeah so <laughs> yeah so and 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 people have died on my watch i i have absolutely no 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 you know uh I I totally agree with. I mean I would accept it honestly that both in both in war and both in mountains I have lost boys in my team. Mm. And uh, and sometimes I blame myself for some leadership maybe wrong decisions I have made. But yeah. if you really want to know that what is uh, the key take on a leadership that I have learned for my own life, okay? Yeah. Uh when th- when things are falling apart, let's say when bullets are bullets and missiles are so far falling and firing all around you there are avalanches there are crevasses there are all sorts of objective and subjective hazards coming at you i think one of the main leadership traits which as you know i'm also a leadership coach and i do a lot of corporate leadership training yes i feel the, the one of the biggest thing that the team members are looking up to from the leader is a decisive decision making quality all right yeah he he cannot the leader cannot hum and haw when I mean, he could consult his team but he has to take a decision like yes and no he cannot say maybe perhaps i will see that is not a leader according to me yeah. and uh, the outdoors and extreme conditions and the war situations have always taught me that the leader has to be really fast he really has to be quick he cannot delay in his in his in his decision making capabilities yes. uh, if if i see an avalanche falling in front of me within 10 seconds it's going to engulf all of us and bury us so i don't have time to yeah. you know delay and think and hum and haw okay let yeah. me think no there is no time to think right or yeah. wrong you decide so yes. so, so I, i i feel uh, the kind of leadership uh, you know the mod- module that i talk about or that i have learned from my own works of life is that a prompt decision and a real decision that means yes or no you know whatever it is it yeah. cannot be somewhere in between it, it cannot be hanging yeah so i think uh, in my style of leadership that i've learned these are the two great uh, greatest takeaways i have seen is that prompt decision and a decisive decision you cannot you know just leave it to your deputy leader or somebody else 
Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 what has been my life. Well, and you know, I love that such a and and one of the things that I do see in a lot of the leadership books and literature and things, you know, articles that go past is this decisive leadership and and quick, yes. you know, leadership. Now, one thing that I don't think these things talk about enough, or at least that hasn't really shown up for me in the things that I've read, is how much preparation goes into being able to make those decisions quickly. Would you agree? I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I mean, although we say that leaders are born, yeah, maybe leaders are born, but they have to train really hard to be there. Yeah. Okay? I don't think leaders are born <laughs> personally. Uh, and I mean, a lot of people say, a lot of people say, yeah. A lot yeah. of people say that genetically you're a good leader. That I think that's that's not really right. Yeah, and uh, and I'll 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 bring in you know one of the I mean you go to any war school even the U.S. Marines if you ask them that there's a there's a fundamental dictum of uh, especially special special forces uh, training academy and other such kind of you know clandestine yeah. uh, forces that we have around the world. There's a very standard thing it says, and which is absolutely absolutely fit exactly what you said is. The more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in war. I'm sure you have heard it. Right? Yes, yes. So the more you sweat so this, in peace, this goes. I love the it. less you bleed in war. Yes. yes. So, so, and this does not apply only to the troops. It applies to the bloody leader as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so, which which means now? Now, imagine when I started off as a climber, I started climbing from the age of ten. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it took me the first. International team that I led came to me only when I was 29. Uh-huh. Okay. So imagine almost 20 years of learning and practice before somebody decided to hand over the baton of leadership to me on the mountains. Yeah. Similarly, similarly in the military forces, when we join, join as an officer cadet, till I was actually made a company commander, it was almost six years of rigorous, hard, and repetitive training, you know, not only in decision making, but promptness and also, you know, uh, relying on your gut feelings and there is yeah. so much technical training given to us because uh, a leader, as you can understand, has to be very well informed. Okay. Yeah. So that is, I think one of the main thing which differentiates the leader from the team is no matter how good the team is, because team will be divided into different sections, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, in the outdoors, in the mountains, as well as in the, in the forces that the team has got very specialized, uh, let's say, training. So somebody is coming, a comm specialist, somebody is weapon specialist, somebody is a, you know, maybe mine specialist or whatever, a navigation specialist. But the leader, the commanding officer or the leader on the mountain, he has to be well-informed and well-acquainted, well-experienced with all of those departments, right? Yeah. So he is, he is not only a specialist of each one of them, but he is specialist of all of them, right? Yeah. So... So, so a leader has to really, if the team is training for 10 hours a day, I would say the leader has to train at least 15 hours a day. Okay. He's not he just sit <laughs> right. back and say, I'm the leader, you know, and, I, and I'm God and I'm born leader and, and I know everything. That's that's really stupid if somebody thinks like that. So I yeah. will I will tell you something of my of my own experience that when I when I lead a mount, let's say a team on Everest or somewhere, and I divide them with different duties of logistics, navigation, equipment, whatever. And if they are training, if I'm putting them eight hours a day, I am training at least 10 hours myself. And, and it is not only in the field, but it's also theoretical. So I have to go back because they can have a fall. They might forget. They say, sir, I've actually forgotten. What do you tell me? I cannot say that to my team. I, I cannot <laughs> say as a leader that I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, there are so many examples in my life that I've seen real life people. Like, okay, I've also made mistakes in my younger days. I right. will admit to that definitely. Yeah. So, so I think this that 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 every leader, no matter at what stage of leadership he is, like maybe he's a <clears throat> he's a he's a middle manager, maybe a senior manager, maybe a CEO, maybe he's the CMD. Doesn't matter. He really, really has to train hard. He has to keep up uh, to the latest standards, to the latest practice in industry, be it anywhere, and he really has to. stay ahead in the in the, in the game right yeah. only then can he earn respect of his team like we say uh, the leader should not demand respect he has to earn it how, yes how does he earn it he earns he earns it by literally burning the midnight oil and training way more harder than the team that's my yeah. take yeah well that's really great satyan you know i <clears throat> i thought about our hikes here um you know we didn't go any place that was ultra <clears throat> dangerous yeah. or ultra challenging but you know if things had gone wrong on one of those hikes you know right. like things you know stuff happens pretty fast when it's below yeah, stuff happens stuff happens you know? and good, i good, and good, i good and i do remember on the more challenging hikes that we went on you know i was just clumping along behind you and i had put a lot mm-hmm. of trust in you and and uh absolutely and i'm an eagle scout and you know i could i i like i've got some skills but uh, but i do oh, you're pretty pretty good yourself <laughs> <laughs> well i do, but i do really remember how much i just put my trust in you and i do think that you deserve that trust and i think that as a leader that is one of the things to just stay on top of every day of every moment of your leadership is yes. am i earning that trust and am i earning that respect when i make a quick decision yes. is that decision mm-hmm. going to be informed by me having really trained and studied and and know what i'm That's doing right. so that when i need to make that fast decision i'm going to make a good decision versus just a quick absolutely. decision that's not informed at all yeah, right absolutely. absolutely that's that's really really the key actually informed decision quick decision and yeah. a decisive decision yes these are very very i mean key points yeah and 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 if i if i can add right now interrupt you just just for a bit uh that that uh, you know i mean of course your leadership coach yourself and i've seen a lot of people doing leadership modules but i have a very particular module and yeah. i call it leadership under crisis leadership mm-hmm. under crisis i think we you and i have discussed it last time when mm-hmm. that uh, i feel there is really no other form of leadership if a leader has a highly motivated highly educated a perfect team we don't really need a leader the team <laughs> will do it right mm-hmm. i i feel a leader is only needed when everything is falling apart so according to me leadership means leadership under crisis okay? mm-hmm. and this is a module i think which we really need to introduce and the kind of uh, module i introduced to my to my groups is this that there is only one kind of leadership which is called leadership under crisis yeah and and that is exactly what the armed forces and the special forces and the submarine arm and also the mountains and extreme you know outdoor conditions have taught me to be because there there you can almost plan nothing and i mean like in the yeah. mountains in a war you have absolutely no idea yeah so that means and and you know from the word go that is a good possibility that you and your boys are not going to come back yeah so 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 it is the crisis of highest order okay yeah and how do you because everybody is afraid to die right nobody wants yeah. to die right none of us right. want to die no we are we are prepared to die but we don't want to die yeah 
So, and I don't think there can be any greater stress or crisis on your head when you know that literally there's a bullet with your name on it, which is coming towards you. Yeah. And uh, and when everybody else is looking up to you and start looking, what should we do? So I think that's the that's the real uh, hallmark of leadership is leadership under crisis. Yeah. And and in those situations, I have seen that the other three things we that we we talked about comes in handy. That quick decision making, informed decision making. And decisive decision making, it comes in handy. Yeah. Uh, in leadership enterprises, and also this is very apparent, John. I have seen that no matter how uh, junior or how or how least experienced your team might be, in a crisis, you are completely naked in front of them. They can see through you. You cannot <laughs> bullshit your way. Through. Yeah. You cannot. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I know big big generals and admirals have fallen apart because they just. They just couldn't do it, and the team can see that this guy who's like a god, he's just a mortal like us. I mean, he's fallen flat on his face, you know, yeah, because he just doesn't know how to handle a crisis. So, so I think theoretically, in a perfect condition in an academy in a base camp, I think we all can be absolutely fantastic leaders. But uh, leadership under crisis, I mean, you know, either either you have it or you don't have it, and how do you get it? Is training, 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 being absolutely informed about everything, yeah, and of course. You know, Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I mean, and listen, I, I feel like I'm almost a broken record with those things when I'm doing, you know, when I'm working with people and when I'm sharing what I think matters. But that's, you know, that's just that's just what it takes. And and it would be fun yeah. if you could, you know, snap your fingers and know everything. Snap your fingers and have the same <laughs> effect, but it doesn't work yeah, I mean, that I, way. I, I wish. I so, wish I wish it was the way. I mean, so Satya, I I got to tell you, my son Johnny, who just turned five. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're mm-hmm. one of the just superhero gods in his mind. He loves all right. you. Thank you. He talks about you all the time, okay. and he makes me <laughs> tell him two stories that I would love to have you tell us. I know you've got thousands of them, but uh, you know, he, he always asks me to tell him stories of when I almost got dead <laughs> after, after your story, because you've got the one on top of Mount Everest that you told him, and you've got the uh-huh. one in the crevasse yeah. that you told him. I'd love to have you tell us those stories and then tell us what do you think the lesson from each of those stories is. Would you be willing to do that? Yeah, okay, John, why not? I mean, it's a, it's a request from your son, Johnny, whom I cannot refuse. So here there goes. Go. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will first start, start with the story of the crevasse. Uh, I think that's the one that I told him. Yes. Uh, now, now, John, as you know, I mean, being a very extreme climber and you know, I'm a bachelor, I never got married, don't have kids. I have absolutely pretty much, I mean, pretty much you and Sharon are my family. Yeah, you've so, dedicated no your home. life to the mountains. To, to the mountains, exactly. Yeah. And and I don't have any properties. I don't have any bank balance. I don't have a house, a car, nothing. You, you know it. I'm, I just have my yeah. climbing stuff. Yes. And, and, and people who love you all over the world. The planet. And you have so, people- I've got yeah. hundreds and thousands of homes. And families, that's that's to have lots of bud kids, so which is which is pretty amazing by yeah. itself. <laughs> and uh, so so you know when when I was when I was growing up and when I was when I got into climbing and later in the armed forces, there were a couple of philosophies and principles that I learned from life and from the mountain, especially. And one of them 
that how can you be happy at every instant of your life mm. okay which is which is independent of anything else okay so so yes. so so try to understand it very clearly normally as human beings our happiness is always related or dependent upon something else right which is external yeah. to us yes so so let's say you own a house you have a car you have a beautiful job and you're happy right uh, or you have a loved one around you so you're happy but when these things go away from you which which it would eventually the happiness is gone so so i realized that because i don't really own anything and i am not going to create any relationships or create any materialistic things in my life how do i live a life of constant happiness every instant being wherever i am doing whatever i am okay yeah so here uh, zen buddhism gave me a very good direction in life which says living in the moment and focusing yeah. on exactly what you're doing and and if and if we learn to live in the moment where uh, you you don't really care about uh, the past what happened uh, and you you don't bother about the future because there is no future i mean in real in reality there is no future because we don't really live in future ever okay yeah so so if you live in the moment enjoying what you are doing right at this moment so i'm having my masala chai and i'm talking to my dearest friend john right now who is like 12000 kilometers away from me yeah. and i'm totally into this moment and and i am the happiest person in the world right at this moment i can tell you that for, for sure and so are you i guess right yes so yes <laughs> i'm thrilled i'm so yeah. happy yes absolutely so 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 this is the philosophy which i which i also talk about in my lectures and talks as you must have seen in my motivation talks that mm. if we just learn to live in the moment and enjoy 100% what you and i are doing at this moment then there is really no reason for sadness at all yeah So 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 with this philosophy I have been climbing all my life all right uh-huh. so once upon a time long time ago as it happens in every fairy tale I was on this mountain it wasn't <laughs> Everest uh, mm-hmm. but it was another mountain a very big mountain in fact uh, me and my team members we made the first ascent of this peak it is uh, in in the Himalaya and uh, this peak has never been climbed again thereafter we made the first and the only ascent about 30 years back okay wow so so it's uh, <clears throat> so what happened as as we were coming down i was kind of kind of excited because i was very young i was the youngest member of the team and i took off my safety harness and safety ropes from the rest of the group and i started running down the uh, glacier towards the base camp which is an absolutely wrong thing to do you must <laughs> never do that <laughs> so, <laughs> okay so there so, lesson number 1 i mean Yeah so so look look at me i'm confessing to all my stupidity you know in front of your worldwide audience so just i am okay with it <laughs> but i think that's great leadership satya cuz this way we can learn from you and yeah. and not make those same mistakes absolutely absolutely, absolutely. so so i always uh, tell my you know tell my students around the world that do what i say don't do what i do because i do very <laughs> stupid things again <laughs> <in the> moment <laughs> so 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 i was i was so excited and come back to the base camp and tell the leader that you know yeah i'm the youngest member i do have done this thing so i took off my rope took off my harness and i literally was running down the crevasses i'm mean, sorry that's at the glacier okay yeah so i broke i broke through one of the snow bridges which kind of covers the covers the crevasses and i fell through i fell through this uh, snow bridge and i fell good 30 to 40 feet uh, on my back and there was a there was a sharp knife edge kind of a thing of 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 the ice and i fell literally on that and it kind of sprained my back and it cut my my back oh. so and i was kind of paralyzed momentarily and i could see that uh, the whole ice was turning red slowly and i could feel something really warm oozing out of my back 
Ah. And and I was stuck in this crevasse, and I was looking up about fifty feet up. I could see a sliver of the blue sky, uh, and I had absolutely no chance of coming out of there alive my, by myself. Oh. And I was just thinking that I was alone. Nobody has really seen me falling in this crevasses, and there are hundreds of crevasses littered around the around the glacier. So what happens if they don't find me? What happens if nobody even realizes that I've fallen into crevasse and they just all merrily go back to the base camp? Which means, in about thirty to forty minutes, I will just bleed to death and then I'll have hypothermia and I'll just be there forever. Okay. Mm. And <laughs> at, at that time, I was I was not even twenty. I was really 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 young. You know, it was my my first very big moment. So then this lesson of living in the moment kicked in. I said, look, what can I do right now? Either I can die while being afraid to die. because i was going to die anyways or i could really be happy and enjoy this moment so mm. i thought about this that how do i enjoy this moment the only way i could enjoy the moment is to enjoy the view which is spectacular because i was deep inside this crevasse with this blue freaky kind of formation all around and this sliver of a blue sky on top okay yeah and i told myself that i must be one of the most fortunate people in the world who has fallen inside a crevasse and looking up into the sky uh and dying So this this point of view, lying inside a crevasse and looking up and looking at the sliver of sky with this blue, you know, kind of a silky display of light all around me, and I said, mm. okay, I'm going to enjoy this moment now. <laughs> If I have to die, I'll die, but I'll not die sad. I'll not die afraid of dying. I will rather enjoy this moment. So that's what happened, and I and as I was enjoying the the display of colors and this amazing thing, and I was full of my heart was full of joy actually, happiness that I'm dying in the mountains, which is my my home, my true home. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, luckily or unluckily, they found me. My team members found me. And somebody <laughs> abseiled, well, somebody abseiled in, and they they had to hack me out of there. By that time, I I had gone into a shock actually. I had gone into severe hypothermia. Uh, they they got me back to to safety. Yeah. So that was my crevasse story, which was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, so, so, so don't so don't take off your safety <laughs> Yeah, which is a lesson I learned. But then thereafter, I started going solo, where there was no safety rope to begin with. So it was yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. So so that was my crevasse story. I think that's what I told Johnny about because I think of all my crevasse stories, this was. uh most uh, you know memorable for me because it was my first time that i fell into crevasse and and uh, and and i could have almost become paralyzed because yeah. uh, the cut that happened in my back was very deep and it just missed my uh, lower spinal cord by about less than half a centimeter oh so so the doctor said that had it done that i would have either died or i would have been completely paralyzed for the rest of my life oh man so so that was my crevasse story yeah. first one So and the other the other lesson is that somehow God loves fools. <laughs> yeah, I you, think so because we have that famous saying, isn't it, that uh, that fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Yeah. So yeah. and 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 you know that and you know that uh, you know very well that I have lived uh, much many many more lives than the nine uh, nine lives of cats. You know, I've yes. been on the verge of death. I don't know how many times it's uh, yeah might be a kind of world record because I'm always doing these very stupid things and. Uh, <laughs> I have broken pretty much every bones of my body. I have got at least at least fifty stitches on all over me, if not more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and if I and if I show you my uh, knees and ankle MRI report, you will wonder how am I still walking because my ortho says that you you just you should not be walking, and I climb Everest, so he just says that 
you must be a wonder of uh, well, you must be some some freaky weird kind of you're not a human being that's what he said yeah <laughs> well you're uh, special such a my, because my you know i don't I, know he says there is something wrong with you <laughs> it's a it's a good wrong i guess that's it's, funny well at least for me it's very good wrong so yeah 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 <laughs> well and you know so when, when he had a look at my marai yeah the the um Sorry. You know that there is it, I think there might be another crevasse story cuz I I remember that one but I think there was another one where you fell into the crevasse and your arms were pinned to your sides and you were oh, sitting yeah, there perfect. as it was kind of and, and you were sort of slowly sinking down ah, Okay 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 that 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 was another one that that one happened in Argentina that was happened in Argentina he's uh-huh. right You want to uh, tell us there, that one? I lost a friend with me Yes, gosh, so, I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's about that. uh, that's not a nice story because my my friend died in there and I got saved. Yeah, but if you are interested, yeah, why not? What the hell? I mean, it's all in public records, so it's fine. So this uh-huh. uh, this expedition was in Argentina. Yeah, in, uh, in again, we were coming down the Andes, and there were two of us. And uh, this was strange because uh, again, we were not roped, but we we both were very very good, uh, very experienced alpinists. Uh huh. He was like my contemporary climber. Mm. so we were walking parallelly we were walking parallelly and i think because it was twilight it was pretty dark we kind of uh missed out the that the snow bridge was not strong enough or we missed out the telltale sign of a crevasse because there are many ways by looking at the surface of the glacier that we can make out that there is a crevasse yeah, yeah. Uh, but i think we too were exhausted maybe we were just talking to each other so we were uh, horizontally i think we were about uh maybe maybe 20 25 feet apart that's about it parallelly both of us coming down uh huh so suddenly what happened we both fell through so we pretty much both of us stepped onto the same snow bridge of the same crevasse and we fell through and uh, it was it was just my not my day that day that uh, where i fell uh, the 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 crevasse was uh, converging so it was like like a cone you know it was like yeah. a cone yeah so i fell I fell about again about ten meters, and with acceleration, I just got stuck there. Uh-huh. So uh, with a big wump, like all my breath was pushed out of my lungs. So my my waist was my waist and the and the abdomen was stuck in this kind of funnel kind of a shape, uh, with my legs hanging free, and below that I couldn't see the bottom. I put my headlamp and I couldn't see the bottom of the glacier, bottom of the crevasse at all. Yeah, and my hands were also stuck there. just my head up and my legs dangling below and right in front of my eyes i saw my friend because where he fell uh the crevasse was diverging so it was opposite our fun and he just with a loud scream he just disappeared in front of me into the into the darkness uh so you know th- this is what i talk about when i say living in the moment that just in a in less than a second you you, you like can change right yeah yeah and uh, and although although we know it i mean you and i know it but people who live in normal city conditions they are not uh, they are not exposed to this reality of life so for them it's a theory uh, but for people like me it is my everyday life that life can just change like that so you should not take granted anything right and yeah. you should be uh, really living every moment because because if this moment could be your last and can you know that's my philosophy that i live i live every day of my life as if it's the last day of my life right yeah and 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 when i wake and when i wake up next morning i always say that this is the first day of for the rest of my life so is, <laughs> that's awesome yeah so you know so when i saw my friend just falling into the darkness and he just disappeared i don't know how far he fell and his his scream just 
kind of resonated within the crevasse kind of an echo came and then absolute silence mm. and and then i said because at that moment i think the survival instinct of a human being kicked in my head i i did not really feel any grief for his loss at that to be very honest with you yeah yeah and and i just kind of looked at my own predicament that that what the hell would i do now yeah and as i started struggling because i was i was also getting uh, i mean the lungs were squeezed anyway i, I don't know and you, i can't stand up because my legs are not touching anywhere yeah and and look at my devil's luck that this funneling effect was only happening in a width of about 2 meters maybe just 5 to 6 if i had gone a little bit that or a little bit that side i would have joined my friend as well yeah so and as i started wriggling here and there it it generated a bit of heat and the ice started melting so i was slowly slowly sliding down oh as the ice was melting with my body heat so i said i cannot wriggle now i i have to keep this ice in frozen condition i have to keep it ice uh because if it melts then i'll just keep sliding down and then you know that'll be the end of for me as well so that was i think this must be one of the most uh, unpredictable event that has ever happened with me because no amount of training no amount of previous experiences had ever taught me that you could really be in a situation like this ever yeah yeah uh and i had i had absolutely no clue how to come out of it. There, there didn't seem to be any you know solution yeah. to it yeah. except that over time over time with with my body heat the ice is going to melt and then the funnel will become wide enough for me to just slip through and uh, just just disappear into the into the dark void okay uh, at, at the same time i had to do something otherwise my limbs will freeze anyways yeah so this was uh, this was just like walking on a on a eggshell you know that you don't want to break it but you have to walk uh, so i think i managed to wriggle one arm very very gently out of the pinned position so i had to bring it out by that time my 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 shoulders my elbow everything was completely frozen and i remember that i had to literally chew on my gloves to get some blood flowing in my my fingers uh because and thank god that i had the ice axe on leash around my around my wrist otherwise i would have lost it and uh, and my legs were completely dead by then there was no blood flowing there and i had to chew on the gloves to get my fingers going then i had to start chewing my 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 elbow my you know whatever i could chew because the, my only my mouth was moving at that time ah uh. and then i could i could free the other hand again i mean it was a i don't know how much time the whole thing took because i had lost uh, i lost the track of time completely yeah i think at that moment i was really living every moment actually that day i was really <laughs> every moment yes. just just yeah because you know i have this i have this philosophy that john when there is nothing you can do, like we face the situation right i mean when there is nothing you can do then just do what you can that's my yeah. philosophy when there That's is nothing you can do just do what you can yes yeah. because because we unless until you are dead you are capable of doing something right <clears throat> it it might not even seem it might not, might not even seem relevant hello i'm here yeah we're still here hello yeah so so it might not even seem relevant the action that you are doing because when there is nothing that you can do then there is no logic just do whatever you can and which yeah. to me to me means that even if i can wriggle my pinky i will wriggle my pinky but that's the only thing i can do at that yeah <clears throat> so so i think that day i was really really following that principle of mine because i had no clue no amount of training or experience had ever prepared me for that kind of extreme situation yeah and i just i might have looked like a zombie a slow slow moving zombie or something. 
and again chewing and biting and literally i had to draw <laughs> blood from my fingers otherwise oh. the blood wouldn't flow yeah yeah and uh, because i was already getting into the initial stages of shock my vital organs were starting to shut down yeah uh, loss of blood uh, the cold uh, lack of oxygen and uh, and you know just dangling like that yeah <laughs> and no very well that you are absolutely going to die today but i don't think i was afraid about, about anything but uh-huh. uh, because i was so focused on the action that i could yes and after that once i got both my eyes access out and uh, you know thank god that i'm a fairly decent ice ice climber as you know <laughs> yeah yeah so, yes yeah so so so, so i could uh, i could reach out and uh, put both the pick of both my ice axes onto the very high uh, very very hard ice and uh, once i saw that i could put some weight on it then what i did was i had to wriggle and generate some heat so that uh, the the ice would start melting around my waist and and abdomen Uh, and i could pull myself up but when i tried to pull myself up with my legs uh, with my arms i found that my legs were completely useless guys they were like completely frozen they were like uh, totally uh, it was like i was i was paralyzed uh, waist down yeah and and uh, and there is no way i can chew onto my legs you know I, yeah, my yeah. Will not can't get those to your mouth yeah <laughs> exactly so i was literally like a trapeze artist just hanging you know with just with my two hands over the void with useless legs so i am not sure i mean this happened many many years ago about 20 years back i don't know how i did it but i did it uh, because i did not think i did not even ask myself that can this even be done can i do it so i think i just did it you know like you know the the famous headline of nike just do it and i yeah, think that's yeah. an amazing line that they came up came out with they don't think just bloody do it you know yeah so so i think i think if that day i tried to think I wouldn't be here talking to you. Yeah. I'm quite sure of that. But that day, I just did it. Everything that was within my capacity, within my strength, within my limits, and maybe some more. And and of course, the mountain gods were with me for that on that day for sure, as they have been on many other occasions since and before. Yeah. And uh, and after a long, long time, I found myself outside the crevasse, completely exhausted, literally dead. And then I just stayed there. I think I think the whole night, I kind of just. flopped there like a like a dead fish and stayed there and only with the dawn kind of woke up and then when i went back to the base camp and informed about my friend oh. and and we found and we did not find his body no found his body yeah so Ooh. yeah so that's that's another so story story that is the story that johnny just is transfixed by yes. of course I, and I uh and i you know i am sorry about your friend and it and it sounds like he probably did you know like you he he loved the mountains so it yeah. got to go one day right but i'm still very sorry about that no john i i i don't i think i think that was it, look we all have to die right we all have to yeah. die one day yes but the thing is the, the thing is i think there is no better way to die than uh, doing what you really love doing and you're passionate about and dying exactly where you want to be right yeah yeah so So as you know I've told you this that my wish is one day I'll go into the Himalaya and I'll never come back. Yeah. And I really pray to God that that's exactly the way I should go. Yeah. I mean I I would really hate it if I die in a city. I would hate myself. Yeah. Well, I guess I I think he was alright. I think I think he was alright. I think all my friends who die in the mountains they they are they're really happy soul up there. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, and how about the time on Mount Everest? 
Uh, well, which one are you talking about? I have been on Monday. We're, so, so we're, we're talking about are the you, time when you decided you when I slept off. When yes, yes, slept off. <laughs> the famous, the famous incident. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, all right. So here it was. So this was. Uh, yeah, so we, so I was leading a team from the from the north side, from the Tibet side, which is a little more challenging than the south side. Uh huh. So that day we had a series of mishaps, not with my team, but with other teams. And we had to join some rescue efforts. We had to recover some bodies. I mean, there are a lot of things which were going wrong that day. Okay? Yeah. So whatever, the long story short was that uh, as I was stepping up to the summit, uh, it was already pretty late in the day and my team had already submitted. So I just told them that, uh, don't worry, you guys go down and I'll, I'll catch up on, on the way back. So suddenly... Can you imagine? I found myself absolutely alone on the summit of Everest. Yeah. Now, wow. Now that's that's an almost impossibility in today's world, where there are so yeah. many commercial experiences. Yes. Going on. Although this ours, ours was not a commercial expedition, but we were in a commercial season, right? Now, yeah. In the in the in the spring season. So suddenly, I find myself on the summit of Everest, all by myself. Just imagine the top of the world just belongs to me. I mean, for me, that was. Uh, one of those hallelujah moments, you know, like yeah, I have achieved. Yeah, I mean, of course. Yes, I mean, I, I, and you know, I don't really like human beings at all. So I love my own space. <laughs> and I said, bloody hell. I yeah. said, how lucky could I be that after so many uh, summits of Everest, I am here all by myself. And I did, I committed uh, perhaps one of the greatest mistakes that one could on Everest or on any high mountains. What I did was I sat down on the summit. I sat down, uh, I literally sat down on my on my back and I looked and, and I could see all the way to Kanchenjunga. Kanchenjunga is very far from there, but I could see all the way from there. I could see uh, Makalu, I could see Lhotse, I could see Choyu, I could see Manaslu. I could see all the mountains that I've climbed in my life, right? Uh, and so many 7,000 meters I could see into the Tibet, I could see Varishankar. I mean, you name it and I've seen it. So I sat down and I think because I was all alone by myself, so I was bit careless as well because I was not bothered about anybody else's safety. Right, right. right. Me. So I sat down and kind of, I was remembering my life. You know, I was looking back that, uh, you know, I had climbed that peak, I climbed that peak, thinking of all my friends whom I have lost in the mountains, thinking of all the accidents that has happened to me. It was just a kind of a flashback, like, like watching a movie of my own life. Yeah. And I got completely caught up in the moment, completely caught up in that moment. And at some point of time, I just do- dozed off. <laughs> I'm sure nobody in the world has ever done that, sleeping off at the summit of Everest. I'm oh. quite sure I'm the only one. It, it must be one of those kind of, some kind of record. Oh. So I just slept off. I just, I just bloody slept off. And at some point, suddenly something, I don't know what, whether it was, a, I, I feel it was the spirit of one of my friends who just woke me up, like one of my dead friends who must have just woke me up or maybe it was a blast of the wind from the Tibet. I really don't know what it was. Uh-huh. So suddenly I woke up with a start, right? <clears throat> oh, dude, can you ma- I can and imagine? And I looked around and yeah. I looked around and for 10 seconds, I had no clue where I was. Oh. I had no idea because I was very, very fast asleep. Yeah. And I looked at this and the sun was almost setting. It was like well past six, which is impossible. Like Everest turnaround time is 12. 12 is Everest turnaround time. Uh Maximum we allow 2 p.m., not beyond 2 p.m. And it was Uh well past six. It was the sun was setting at the horizon. And suddenly struck struck me that 
Satya, you are on the top of Everest all by yourself. <laughs> the sun is about to set. So, so I must have slept off for a good two to three hours for sure. Yeah. Slept, which, which, which meant I, my, my oxygen was gone. I was just breathing empty air from my cylinder. There was no oxygen left in my thing. And when I checked my meter, there was no oxygen. It was, it, the, the bottle was showing zero. Okay. Yeah. And I said, bloody hell. How do I go down now? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I could I could see all the monsoon, you know, dark clouds were rushing in from the Nepal side because it was the end of May. And I said, all right, let's go. I mean, there's nothing else you can do. And I started coming down. And that descent from the summit of Everest became uh, my most epic escape from Everest for sure. And one of the most epic in my entire life. Yeah. I mean, how I came back. Because my team had thought that I surely I was dead because I was caught in this massive storm. Uh, then the snow started falling literally like waterfall. It looked like the heavens had opened up. So I was buried. I fell. All the fixed ropes were gone. Uh, none of the summit camp was occupied because everybody had gone down. My team wasn't there. So I was all alone up up, up there. And coming back from the north side is really, really tricky. And, and that was oh. without oxygen, without any food, without anything. Yeah, And my team, by that time, had realized because my walkie-talkie was dead, the battery was gone. Uh, so they thought that the, the leader is gone. He's not there anymore. So people were kind of, you know, uh, trying to think how to inform my mother back home in India that right. your son really gone. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that, that that was really, really epic. And, and yeah, I mean, that's that's a very long story if I have to tell you that how I came back. Uh, but, 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 you know, I think... Uh, I, I was okay with that because, you know, I mean, who, who sleeps on the top of Everest? And I, right. so I, think, I think at the end of the day, I'm happy that I did something which nobody has done and perhaps nobody will ever do. So, yeah. okay. and I'm, 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 I'm alive. That's the main thing. I'm still here with you. So, yeah. that's all yeah. that really matters. <laughs> well, you know, when we said hello to each other before we started this recording, Johnny mm-hmm. got, uh, got up. Uh, you know, McSharon and Johnny came down to say hello to you. And Johnny leaned yes. up into the microphone and, and said, I'm glad you're alive. <laughs> yes, I know. He said that. So, and so <laughs> well, am I, Satya. Well, well John, uh, let me tell you, every morning when I wake up, I say the same to myself, that Satya, I'm glad that you're still alive. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Good. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me, me too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So Satya, I know that we're we're coming up on on um, probably time to go here, but yeah. is there is there uh, oh you know what I would love? How can people find your mom's cookbook? I'll put that in the notes. Uh, uh, John, what I'll do is uh, because now it is available for free download, so I have removed it from Amazon, but it is available in many many other sites like Barnes and Nobles. It is available in Smashwords. You uh-huh. just have to. Uh, type the name of the book and type my name and it will come. It is free download now. Anybody can download both the books for free. So, uh-huh. uh, so, so should I send you a note after this and then you can put it up as a note up for the top? Send me a note after this and I will I will make sure uh, that that goes. I will. I, I will actually. What I'll do is I will I will send you the download links. Okay, I'll send you the download. Okay, we'll just put that in the show notes. And I do have to say. We've tested out a bunch of those recipes, and your mom is a good cook. Oh, thanks a lot, John. He's, she's happy somewhere up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. Uh, so, John, I could I could also send you uh, the Amazon link of my Kindle book, The Life on Top, the motivational book. Maybe that could be useful uh, as well. What do you think? Absolutely, Satya. Life yeah? on okay. Top. It's a great book, and top. I highly recommend I'm so sorry that I didn't even 
think to say that earlier, but it, you know, if you've enjoyed listening to some of these tales and if, if you've enjoyed uh, Satya's mm-hmm. outlook on leadership and life, then definitely go to Amazon and get his book, Life on Top by Satya Bratadam. And we'll put a link to that into the uh, show notes as well. So what what else, Satya? Is there anything else you'd just like to say before you before I let you go this time? Well, John, I would like to st- tell every uh, you know every audience that you have uh, worldwide that uh, I know we are going through a very rough time right now with the COVID thing and with all sorts of things happening in Afghanistan around the world. Yes, uh, but I just uh, would like to tell you that uh, there is always hope as long as you are alive. Yes, and and I will like to conclude with a with a quote of my own, it's an original quote, that life is short, no matter how long you live. Uh, life is short, no matter how long you live. So live, live fully, live in the moment, and just go for your dreams. Don't be scared of your dreams. And uh, in Gita, because I am a follower of Gita, the the holy book in India, which says. Uh, that uh, what you and I can do as human beings is that we have no control over the outcome of our actions, but we must take the action. Our control is only take the action, whatever you believe in. And when you take the action, go all out. Don't leave any stones unturned. And after that, leave the outcome of your action under somebody. And I think you'll never be disappointed in life and you'll always be living in the moment and uh, see you guys on top, always. Beautiful. Beautiful, Satya. I... I just, I'm so glad I know you. I'm so glad you're in my life. And I really appreciate you coming and sharing these stories and these insights and these the, this wisdom with us here on speaklikealeader.show. <coughs> Excuse me. I can't wait to see you again. Can't wait to go Absolutely. bag some more peaks here uh, right around my home <laughs> no, no, no. in Salt Lake City. This, this time you have to this, this time you have to come to the Himalaya. So okay, well, we got to do. do that too. We got to <laughs> do that too. We'll we'll definitely do that too. <laughs> All right. Well, Satya, thank you very much and uh, I wish you a great rest of your day and a, and a, you know, I will look forward to talking again. I think we're going to have to get you back on the show again sometime here soon. So, um, cause this is just too much fun. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, sure. John, anytime. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for joining the speak like a leader podcast. Go be awesome. Awesome.